Hi, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. Surprise, you may not know my voice yet, um, but I am your co-host today, Mara Buskey, and I am, of course, joined by the wonderful usual host, Frederick. And as always, the goal of this podcast is to improve life and leadership of assistant principals. This podcast complements APEX, the Assistant Principal Acceleration Program, but you certainly don't need to be an APEX member to find value in the the podcast. Um, So I'm the inclusion strategist for Strategic Leadership Consulting. Um, And as the inclusion strategist, one of my goals is to meet the needs of a younger and more diverse audience. Um, Soon we will be launching Lead Now, which is a community with content specifically designed to foster leadership in my generation and in people who may not view themselves as fitting the traditional definitions of leadership. Um, And in that spirit and in recognizing that most of you out there listening are working to support new teachers um, in your schools, we thought it would be great to have a roundtable conversation with Frederick, myself, and two wonderful educators. Um, So today we are joined by two teachers. First is Leah Downing. Um, She's a teacher at um, teaching third grade at Hazelwood Elementary School in Waynesville, North Carolina. And then we also have Miss Kimberly Merritt um, teaching eighth grade learning strategies at Johnston Edgefield Trenton Middle School in Johnston, South Carolina. Um, Affectionately known as Jet Middle School. Yes. (laughs) Um, I want to welcome you both and thank you for taking time out of your day to be here with us. Um, We're so excited to have you on the Assistant Principal Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for inviting us to attend this uh, podcast. Absolutely. Can I I jump into, I'll say one thing about the communities. Um, So Waynesville is in the very rural mountain west of North Carolina. So um, technically rural mountain Appalachia. And and Jet is down in on the peach capital of South Carolina, um, but draws from three still very small and rural communities. Um, So I think it's exciting that we have teachers from two rural schools, um, but schools that look really different and and draw from distinct backgrounds and and cultures. So I think this is going to be really fun, and we're really glad you're both here. Before we begin our deep dive, we always like to start the episode off with a celebration of some sort. So what are you celebrating today, or what has been going well for you? Well... I am celebrating. We have um, one more week until spring break, which is much needed. We've, it's been a long time. It's been a while since we've had some snow days. So I'm very excited. Um, And we are gearing up for on Monday, our very first field trip in the past two years. So we're very, very excited uh, for our field trip coming up. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. How about you, Kim? Um, my celebration is tomorrow is the last day of school before spring break. Yay. Um, and um, we will be doing uh, something called March Madness at our school where the teachers are going to play basketball against the students. Fine. So pray, pray for the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to be joining in on that basketball game? 
I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll give you a little secret too. I was talking to some district level folks today and they said they celebrating the same thing. <laughs> a little bit of awesome. a respite. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so for each of you, how long have you been teaching so far? I have been teaching since January of 2019. So I'm in like my third full year right now. Wow. And um, I was, I've been teaching since August of last year. Um, this is my second year. No, August of 2020. This is my second school term teaching 2021. 20, yeah. Wow. So a time to start teaching um, with the pandemic and everything that that involves. Um, what, yeah. have been, what have been some of your biggest surprises so far with all of that? One thing for me, so I um, kind of like in starting and on the pandemic was just how supportive and how crucial the schools were in our community here. I mean, they were like our cafeteria staff was still every single day providing three meals a day for our students to like send home with them. Um, as far as like in a normal type class situation, one of the biggest surprises is just how, how much like burdens the students are carrying coming into the classroom every day. Um, I would say for my district, um, Dealing with the pandemic, um, I came in uh, when we started doing the uh, the students alternating the days that they come. They would come a day, then they would come diff another day. They would skip a day, and the students, like you said, they still received three meals a day. Also, um, the administrative staff made sure the teachers had everything they needed um, in communicating with the parents, making sure that we were supported as well as the parents and the students as well. Some of the students um, were living in, because we're in a rural area, they don't have internet access like the students that live closer in the inner city. So we provided internet, um, Wi-Fi pads for the students to take home, hotspots. Um, we gave them that so they would be able to do their work while they was home. And then when they came to school, they would be uh, prepared and ready to learn. Um, so those are some of the things that I've dealt with during the pandemic uh, area. In, in talking to administrators and other teachers, it seemed like the, the A to B schedule really worked well for a lot of people. And, and also, depending on your district, allowed extra time for teachers to, to plan and make adjustments. Um, I think a lot of the AB schools had either a Wednesday or a Friday as a development day, and then also a day where teachers could could reach out to specific students. But I think that also made it really hard coming back this fall, especially when we had all of a sudden we got everybody together and we have kids that hadn't been in school for a year and a half and it was crazy. Yes, it was. Um, I know last year we did have like a develop, staff development day or a day to get our work caught up or get extra things done to prepare for the students. It was on a Wednesday. So we had students on Monday, Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. So Wednesday was our day to kind of get things caught back up or get things more aligned. And when the students came back in August, it was, it felt like a rush. Like we had students that came last year and on hybrid days, and now we have students that didn't come at all, and all of these students are mixing together, and 
they're kind of trying to feel their way through because they some of them had haven't seen each other since the pandemic started. So we had all that excitement going on as well as trying to get them back into the learning mode of being in a classroom every day, Monday through Friday versus alternating days or being uh, virtual at home. Yeah, <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot yeah. to, to just try and navigate and probably a lot of things that weren't necessarily like talked about in your previous education and like what you thought you were going to be going into <laughs> when you it was went. totally different yeah yeah absolutely um so as we always want to push our audience a little bit for most of our assistant principals it's been a while since they were beginning teachers um, and we want to give them some things to think about um, so this next question doesn't necessarily have to be about your school or your assistant principal specifically um, and I know you guys are probably in touch with some teachers um, at other schools so you can share based on yours or others experiences as well um, but what are the best ways for assistant principals um, to support you and other new teachers? One way that when I first started teaching, um, because I had I, I started teaching when I had just graduated from college and I felt so inadequate, particularly in communicating with parents mm. and having those conferences and when parents were um, frustrated or upset about something that was happening in the classroom or in the school. And so one thing that my assistant principals did and have done so well is helped me a lot with communication with parents, whether that be um, the kind of an outline of these are the main things you need to make sure that you hit in a parent conference or these are things that you need to make sure you tell parents and guardians at the beginning of the year um, about your class. That has been one of the biggest things because coming in as a teacher, I felt very prepared with uh, as far as the curriculum. And I felt like I had a lot of support with resources, but kind of talking and dealing with families was not an area where I felt like I was very prepared. So that has been a huge, huge help from my assistant principals. Um, I would say when I started, I first I would like to say I did a career change. So I came in with the background of mine is kind of opposite. Um, I came in with the background knowing how to deal with parents, knowing how to talk to parents, knowing how to do a parent conference and, you know, keeping things in a, in a cool manner. Um, but my issue was I, I was a special, I'm a special ed teacher and I didn't know all the paperwork, all the requirements. Um, so the assistant principal, he kind of just held my hand and walked me step by step. Uh, this is how you do this. Um, this. He would sit in the meetings and he would say, okay, you did awesome. He was like my, he cheered me on and he kind of gave me a lot of encouragement. And he, he sat down, he went over the paperwork. He said, when you do the meeting, this is what you need to do. This is what you should say. This is what you should not say. And this is the paperwork that needs to be signed. This is what you give the parent. He kind of just walked me through the whole process and kind of held my hand to make sure I got it. And I feel like teachers that come in, if they can have that support of someone that's going to give them that step-by-step -step guidance, you know, it would give them a more secure feeling. And that's what I got from that, um, from that aspect. Mm -hmm. 
So I have, I don't know if this is the right time to jump in with this question, um, but I think Kim, you said something about um, kind of direct guidance. And this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of assistant principals um, recently. When we, when we talk about coaching and supporting teachers, uh, we talk generally about three different um, ways of doing that. There's directive, which is I come in and I tell you what to do. There's collaborative where we kind of work together on solving a situation. And then there's reflective where you're going to, the teacher is going to take the lead. And as the assistant principal, I'm kind of listening, listening, and then maybe asking questions that facilitate the teacher coming to their own solution. I think our default is collaborative as educators. We want to help people grow and we want to have that dialogue. I, I'm think that we need to be more directive more often, especially with newer teachers. And I don't mean directive in a way of you have to do this, but directive in a way that, oh, I see you're struggling with this here. Here are some things that can help you. Let me help you with this. Here's, here's how you can do this. Um, and I may be off base. So we, we always are free to disagree on this show. Are there times do you think when you would have liked more, um, maybe more directive coaching from your APs, um, did you get a lot of that? What are your thoughts? I agree with you about the directive because I feel like if I'm thinking about my third grade students in my classroom and I'm, I'm thinking of a student in particular and they are struggling with their um, letter sound correspondence, so being able to, to read their words easily, my job is to direct them and to give them the strategies and say like, here, these are the things that you can do that are going to help you and to, you know, wait a few weeks and see if it helps. And so just thinking about the fact that like we as classroom teachers are kind of our, our administration's students, we're they, like they, when they see us struggling in an area or an area where we can do better, I feel like they need to say like, here's some resources, here's some strategies, you know, think about which ones you want to implement. Um, but sometimes like I, I think about ways, um, particularly this school year that I didn't realize I could have been doing better until, you know, February or March, wishing that I had known that earlier, wishing that like, oh, I, I didn't even think about this, this and this that I could have been, should have been doing with my students. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. Kim, thoughts? Um, I would say, um, I don't, I mean, no one's perfect and no school is perfect, um, but I would say, to piggyback off of what she said, it, it is more um, resourceful to me if you come in and express to me, okay, this is what you need to do. This is how this needs to be done. This is what you can use to do better versus, telling me at a later time or, you know, at the end of the year on a report saying, these are the things I think you could do better for the next year. Because I feel like if you tell me now, I can go ahead and correct it now. Um, I won't be so embedded in doing it that particular way. Um, I will feel better because I've tried it and I see that it works. So the next coming year, school year, I said, okay, I changed this. It did work. Now I can start this school year fresh off doing this because I know that it worked because I tried it with my students. Yeah. Sort of thing. Well, and, and I'm wondering too, and, and I think 
Mari, you can jump in on this too. From, from where I sit, I mean, I came into teaching in the late, late eighties. Um, and then in the, in the nineties and in back then, <laughs> uh, the view teachers were just expected to kind of walk in the door with supreme, um, competence. And, and I know our mindset was if we had to go to the principal or assistant principal, that was terrible. So we just walked in, we shut our door and we taught and, and I don't think we expected nor necessarily welcomed feedback because we, we saw that feedback as being uh, criticism. And, and I think your generation is fundamentally different in that you view feedback as something that, that really that is there to help you grow. I think you have a much healthier attitude towards feedback. And I think our administrators, especially ones that are more my age, are thinking, oh, if I come in and be direct, you know, that you're going to take that as you know, I'm not supporting you when in fact the opposite can be true. I agree. Um, the vice principal at my school, he'll come in sometime and he's, he's doing this this year. I don't know if he's reviewed how he did things last year and he wants to change it, but he'll say uh, in terms, okay, Ms. Merritt, um, I think you're doing an, an awesome job, but I think this would work better um, if you try this. Mm -hmm. And um, I know when we had ELC, um, our professional development day, um, the uh, coach, she was expressing to us, you know, about learning and taking constructive criticism. And she asked me, what did I think about it? I said, well, I think everyone should be willing to take it in because as teachers, we're always learning. You never stop learning. And that is something that we teach our students that you can continue to learn even when you're older. And I, you know, I expressed that I'm still learning. This is a new profession for me. So I'm yet still learning. Um, I don't ever want to get to the point where, I'm, where I stop learning. So that was, uh, that's my take on that. Amen. Cast <laughs> that everywhere. And <laughs> listeners can't see, but we're on a conference call here and all four of us are smiling and nodding our heads. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like if we're going to tell our students that they should, you know, strive to be lifelong learners, that we should implement that, you know, we should do that on our own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How would you want um, your assistant principals to approach you when, when you're struggling with something or if they see, see something, how would you want that interaction to, to start? I would say, um, I don't know. I guess this is the way I was raised. Um, to be direct and just pretty much straight to the point. Um, but, you know, be caring with, with the delivery. Um, not harsh, but be caring towards me when he says it. Um, I think when you're direct and you're truthful and you're honest, people will, will respect you more. Um, even if it's, you know, it's a hard criticism and it's something that I may not like or want to hear, but still, yeah, it's something that I need. Mm -hmm. I, I know that this is so cliche, but it's almost like the sandwich, you know, where they tell you the good things and then you tell people how they should change and then you end with the good thing. And that, I mean, that like, you know, boosts people's ego. It makes them feel like they're doing something good, but honestly, like that's how I would most want to hear about change, you know? Mm -hmm 
Leah, these are the things that you're doing great in your reading instruction. And like, this is what's working so well for you whole group. I noticed that when your students are working on their independent reading, like they're not super focused. Here are some things that when I was in the classroom, I did that helped them stay focused and then like ending it. And your, your, your small group reading is going great. Like your kids are definitely learning and I can see that, you know, it almost seems like saying, telling me the things I'm doing great. And then the things that I need to work on, I can do better on and then finishing up with another way that I'm awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you always need the encouragement. <laughs> well, and I want to jump in and, and reinforce with assistant principals too that you know we can give feedback in different ways and just saying, oh, you're doing a great job. Well, that doesn't really tell me much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could say, oh, you use really good questioning strategies. So that's a little bit better. But yeah. the most powerful feedback is very specific. So when you phrased the question this way and you used the word consider, that made the students really think. And so that was great practice. So, so in giving that feedback and creating those the sandwich, I would encourage assistant principals to give really nice buns on that sandwich and make sure your feedback is as specific as possible. Mm-hmm. One thing that both my assistant principal and my principal have done this year, which I think has been um, very helpful and le- has caused my uh, stress level to go down would be towards the beginning of the year, they would take maybe like a two minute walk through our classrooms, probably like two or three times a week. And so at different times in the day and having them in so much made me feel more comfortable. It made my students feel more comfortable. And then when they came in for formal observations, it I was not nearly as stressed as I had been in previous years when my administration wasn't just wasn't able to be in my classroom as much. So that's another thing I would say about about supporting is just being being there and being present. And then it makes it feel far more um, like, oh, my goodness, my principal just came in and. I wasn't teaching the lesson that I was, you know, that I said I was going to be teaching and we were off doing something else. It makes that seem less stressful because they've already been in my classroom, you know, 15 times in the past month. And like, they know that this is just one time and it's not like this every time. Great point. Yeah. Um, the support I received from my principal um, when he comes in and observes the classroom, well, He saw from last year how extremely nervous I was and how tense the class would be. So this year when he came in, he did pretty much like your principal did. Um, He would come in and just, he didn't even worry about me. He would talk to the student. He would sit at the table with the student. And we do a lot of uh, collaborations and groups. And he would sit there and work with the students on what they they were doing to make the students become more comfortable with him being in the classroom. And I didn't... I guess I didn't see someone sitting in the back with the pen and paper writing. Um, I saw someone that was engaging in the lesson with the student, which kind of eased it a lot more for me. Yeah, I can very much remember being a student and just the intense feeling that would occur when an administrator would walk in the room. Um, It was like immediately everything was on edge. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have another question. Sorry, I'm jumping in here, Mara. <laughs> so um, procedures, classroom procedures. 
how much training in your pre-service program did each of you have on how you manage and run a classroom, how you teach procedures to kids, and then how you reinforce those procedures? Not as much as I would have liked. Okay. <laughs> um, I loved my education program and I love my professors, but I felt like going into the classroom, that was a huge area where I felt inadequate, that I didn't have the tools that I needed um, or the background, or I just felt like I wasn't great at managing my class and even at like, okay, first day of school things, like what, what do I need to teach them? Oh, I need to teach them how to get in line for, to go to the lunchroom. Oh, I need to teach them like how to come and sit at the carpet. So that was, that was an area where I, I felt like I needed more support than, than I had. Um, in terms of uh, my district, I did receive uh, training. We had a before school start, and this was my first year. But this year, um, it was a little bit more in depth of the guidelines and everything that the students need to follow and the things that the students need to do. But it's still an area that I would love more training on because sometimes as teachers, we forget. And, you know, I still feel like I'm new to this uh, being in uh, this educational program because I haven't done this for past for the past two years. This is my second year. Um, I just feel like if they could give me more hands-on and say this, the do's and the don'ts, and this is what you really need to do in the classroom, and this is the paperwork you need, this is how you need to do this on the first day. But I will say the assistant principal told me, he said, if you don't do anything else, the first week of school, I want you to develop a relationship with your student because that is extremely important. You have to have a relationship with your student to have a good year. And that's one of the things that I've expounded on. I start off my first week of school building a relationship with my student and then everything else follows. It's not as, it's not as easy move process always, but this year it just, I did it. And it was so much smoother this year than last year. Mm. I, I love that. Thank you, Kim. And it's funny because when I work with assistant principals, they'll talk about like, oh, that teacher doesn't have a relationship with kids. But mm -hmm. when we're talking about actually doing observations, we're always talking about the more technical parts of the teaching. And we don't talk about, okay, the priority is to help this teacher understand how to make those connections with kids. So that's a great point. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, so if you were going to ask your assistant principal to help you grow in a specific area, I know we've talked a lot about different, different things so far, um, but what would that area be and why? I would say, um, I would ask for more growth in um, leadership because viewing his leadership and how he he's able to connect with the teachers, connect with other um, district staff. Um, I would love to be at that level one day in particular. And also um, more on policies and procedures because I'm still fresh to this. And it, there are some things I may know and there are some things I may have not. Um, walked upon or stumbled upon yet um, 
And I'm quite sure when I do, he will guide me through it. But I, those are the two areas that I feel like I need more information, more guidance and uh, learning and training on. One area where I'm definitely wanting to grow and where I know I definitely need to is looking at um, curriculum more big picture. And so I, what I mean by that is I know my third grade standards. I know um, the things that I need to teach them. I know where they need to be at the end of the year, but I really have like no clue what they do in fourth grade. And I don't have a super good grasp of what they do in second grade. And so just looking big picture and thinking like, okay, these are the things that this student is coming in with in kindergarten. These are the things that they're learning in first grade. This is, you know, where they're coming to me at in second grade. One area uh, in particular that this has really hit us a lot this year, I have a teacher on my team with me that taught first grade for years and years and years and years. And so as we're looking at some of our students throughout this year who have struggled with certain phonics concepts, she said, it, it like finally clicked. She was like, oh, well, that's because the students that we have, um, when COVID started, they went home in March and this font um, in March of first grade and this phonics concept is taught in April of first grade. And that's why they don't understand this. And so that like, I was like, oh my goodness, like, it, it totally clicked. I was like, well, of course, that's why these kids don't know there are controlled vowels because they were never taught it. And then when they came in in second grade, they learned the second grade curriculum. And so it made it so much easier to then say, okay, I need to go to these first grade teachers. This is what my kids are struggling with in third grade. This her understanding of the curriculum, their phonics curriculum was so helpful. And I know that if I had that that big understanding of their math curriculum and of the reading curriculum, I would be so much better able to support my students because I would so much better be able to pinpoint exactly where they're learning the things that they have gaps in. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so pivoting for pivoting to leadership, um, you know, Kim, you just like kind of touched on that. Um, how would, how would each of you define leadership? I define leadership as, and this is my take from leadership because I came from a position that I was in, uh, I was a leader. I was a manager over teachers, cooks, pretty much like a, a early childhood school, but it wasn't uh, within the school district. It was like a head start. Um, leadership is, it's being a leader without walking with the big sign that I'm a leader and I'm in charge. And that when I mean by that, being a leader is being humble enough that you can remember um, when you were in the classroom and you were teaching. And that's what the vice principal at my school uh, resembles to me. He's a leader, but he didn't forget when he was in, in the classroom. He didn't forget when he was working with IEPs and um, 504. Um, he didn't forget those things and he didn't forget how it felt to be a teacher. Um, so a lot of times when individuals become leaders, they forget where they were and they put pressure on the teacher that are, you know, newly teaching or teachers that have been teaching plus years. And they forget that they were once that teacher that walked into the door afraid, not knowing, uncertain, and needed that encouragement. So what I look into a, a leader is being humble, 
um, encouraging to others, but yet still being a leader, but not walking around with that big sign saying, I'm in charge, everybody needs to come to me, but go to the teachers and ask them what they need, give them what they need, and give them examples and lead by example. That's my definition of leaders. Thank you. That sounds great. <laughs> I think, Kim, definitely the thing that you hit on about being in relationship with the people that you're, that you're leading. And so understanding where they are, where they're coming from, and not forgetting what it's like to be in their shoes. Um, would, would you consider yourself a leader? Um, I think all teachers are leaders because you are leading the students in your classroom. They are looking at us as leaders. So I would say anyone that's teaching, guiding anybody, I would consider them to be a leader. Yeah, I would agree with that one <laughs> for sure. I'll jump in. We had an interesting experience back in the fall. Um, I, you know, there's this kind of set leadership training that I do generally with principals, assistant principals, instructional coaches, maybe district people. And we go over a lot of frameworks that I use in my strategic leadership um, coaching. And one of the principals asked me to take that to his teachers. And so we did a straight leadership training to the entire staff. And, and I, was, I was a bit hesitant. I didn't know how that would go, but it was amazing. And, and now everybody in that building views leadership, they have a common understanding of what leadership is and what the role of a leader is. And they have common language to talk about the different functions and the different things that leaders do. And, and that has been something really, really cool. And I just throw that out there. Um, I think it reinforces the notion that yes, teachers are leaders, you're leaders in your classroom, but you also have capacity to lead within the building. Um, so, yeah. I think one important thing about leadership, um, particularly with like classroom teachers or people who aren't in necessarily a, a leadership position like at a school is, um, I think sometimes it can just be seeing that there's a need and being the person to fill it or being willing to fill it. I think to one of our teachers um, this year who realized that we have all of this progress monitoring material and all of these ways to monitor our students' reading growth and how they're growing in reading, but we didn't have anything really comparable for math. Um, and so a couple of our teachers worked together this year to create a basically math, like progress monitoring materials that we didn't have before to kind of look at a student. These are the skills they should master in kindergarten. And when I have a first grade student that is struggling with you know, adding their two-digit numbers, I can look back and see where their skills are in kindergarten. And so that was just like a, a regular classroom teacher who realized that we had a need and was willing to fill it. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked, I guess, leadership in schools, but also um, having veteran teachers and teachers that have been there a lot longer than you have, have you had any experiences or struggles with um, coming from a different generation, most likely, and then also just being um, newer in, in the school and what the dynamics are like, um, and if there's been any struggles with, with that at all? I would say my experience, and it's very unique, um, at the middle school, 
that I that I'm actually teaching it, I have two teachers that taught me when I was in the eighth grade. So it's just it is so amazing, <laughs> but weird at the same time that I'm in a school teaching and the teacher that's the lead teacher with my teacher um, in school. So um, I've had a good experience with with the uh, older teachers because um, one of the older teachers came to me and she said, Miss Mary, although you're young and you're um, this is your second year, I can learn from you. you mm-hmm. Your ideas and the way you do things is different from the way I was taught and the things that I do, but I, I've used some of those things and it actually worked. And it, it changed my whole perspective of how I teach in the classroom. And this teacher was a hard teacher. I mean, she was like the hardest teacher in the school. Um, <laughs> not the teacher that taught me, but this was another teacher and she's been teaching for 20 plus years. And for her to say that she could learn from the young teachers or the new teachers that are coming in, I uh, spoke volumes and of course, you know, I don't get big head because everybody can learn from each other. And that's what I've experienced, that the teachers at my school, they tend to try to learn from each other. I've definitely experienced that as well, Kim. I am thinking about one veteran teacher, and I actually was um, a student teacher in her classroom, and then I took over her third grade classroom, and and she moved to a different um, reading specialist position within the school. And she still is my like coach and my mentor. And we mm-hmm. have meetings all the time. And I feel so supported by her because she taught third grade for so many years. And so it feels like she know like she's such a great resource for me. And she's been so supportive um, in all the ways that I need her to be. But she's also been incredibly encouraging to me and saying like, well, these are the ways that I did some things, but like not making me feel pressured to do things the exact, the exact yeah. way. Yeah. I, I love it. I think our veteran teachers get a bad rap sometimes because, you know, there's always the one somewhere. And so everybody remembers that, that story and that person. But I love what you're talking about, how our veteran teachers really are bringing in and, and being stewards for, for the next generation. Um, I do think sometimes there's, there's a tension um, between, um, there's a lot of flavor of the month. A lot of stuff comes through a school. We're going to do this rah, rah. And then three months later or a year later, it's gone and done. And, and that does burn teachers out and it makes them less enthusiastic for the next flavor that, that comes around. I think sometimes that can color how we receive ideas from um, newer teachers. And, and we have to be careful about assuming that, well, you're a new teacher and you're naive and you just, you don't understand yet. I think we have to understand that people have different perspectives. And, and so the, the first job, whether we're an administrator or a teacher, when somebody makes a suggestion or has an idea, the first step is really to consider the perspective and to not just say, oh no, that won't work based on my perspective, but, but to seek out the other perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing in the past two years, our, I think it's our whole district or maybe it's just our school has moved towards doing our end of grade tests on the computer instead of doing it paper pencil. And so that has really caused this big push for us to do a lot of our independent work for students on the computer so that they're familiar with the format that the test is gonna be 
And so I have a, a teacher who's um, taught for many, many years right across the hall from me. And she's always coming like, Leah, I don't understand all this technology stuff. Like how, what, like, and she's always, you know, asking me questions about that. So I think that's kind of exactly what you're saying about she, she is so open like to all of the the ideas and wants me like all of my ideas and input about the technology in particular in her classroom. Awesome. Yeah. It's cool that they, um, just the dynamic is like give and take you, you each give and you each take a little bit, um, which is so wonderful. Um, so just wrapping up, I have a few more questions. Um, if listeners could take just one thing away from today's podcast, what would it be? My takeaway would be that leadership comes in all forms, shapes, and sizes, uh, personality. Um, but the leadership that is being given has to be accepted. Um, so you can grow. Um, just like my district is different from other districts and we do things differently from other schools, but still, as she was sharing some of the things about her school, I was, I was taking some of that information in and say, Hey, you know what? I'm gonna go back and talk to my vice principal and see, see if we can do some things like this, or we can add this and maybe, you know, give it a try. Um, just always willing to learn and grow and take in what everybody is, you know, share the ideas and take in ideas. Yeah. I would say that it's all about relationships. Like at the end of the day, all of us in a school building are working to build uh, contributing members of society and relationships are at the heart of that. Uh, And so I would just say like to not forget that it's not just our relationships with the students or our relationships with our administration that relationships are really what can drive and what can build and break uh, not only a school, but an institution. And so uh, caring and sympathy are, are really at the heart of it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else that either of you would like to share? I think that about wraps it up. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Leah and Kimberly, thank you. This has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for um, just taking your time and energy out of your day to be here and to converse and share with us. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for the invite again. Absolutely. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and rate this podcast. We are always trying to improve the show. Um, Today's episode was a little unique, so please let us know what you thought. You can email me, Mara Buskey, at mara at frederickbuskey.com, and you can reach me at (laughs) frederick at frederickbuskey.com. And if you'd like more content tailored towards the needs of assistant principals, you can head over to the Strategic Leadership Consulting website at frederickbuskey.com. That's a wrap on today's show. I am Mara Buskey. And I'm Frederick Buskey. And I hope you'll join us next time for the Assistant Principal Podcast.